Welcome back everybody. This is Center of Life's Black History Month celebration and we are celebrating people who have made history in the past but also are continuing to make history right now in the present. We've been working to bring your attention to people who you may not hear about during Black History Month and one of those people is right here beside me right now, Mr. Roger Humphreys. And uh, his, his story, it, it, it's a long story, but it's an amazing story. And Roger is an amazing human being, and he has done so much to help young people, even through his success, even through the great success that he has experienced. He's been right there for our young people, my son in particular. And, uh, and I'm so honored to be able to sit with what I consider and with many of us in the music world and others outside of the music world, consider a living legend. And we're going to talk a little bit about his life, but first of all, I just want to say thank you, sir. Thank you for the interview. Thank you, Tim, for having me, man. <laughs> and thank you for joining us on this day, because yes. this is so important, you know. And um, Learning about black history, a lot of our kids don't understand the foundations. They don't understand some of the roots of where we come from. And, uh, and for them... To be able to appreciate the music that we created, that is really the backdrop of this country, you know, um, they need to hear more, you know, from people who were around and people who made their contribution. And of course, you know, when, when you started, you were very young, working with a bunch of older guys. Mm -hmm. and these guys were much, much older than you, and you were on those drums, and you know. You didn't see too much of that. Maybe George Benson was young, but I think you was younger than him when you when you were starting. So uh, we want to hear more about how you got started and and you know how you got to Pittsburgh and you know just everything. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of times, you know, Tim, I've been thinking to myself, uh, the drums picked me. <laughs> you know, no matter how great you think you are and everything, yeah. if the instrument that you playing is not compatible, you know. It doesn't work that way, but I, I've been fortunate because I, I come from a musical family. My two older brothers, uh, Lawrence was the one that played saxophone, and my brother Norman is the one who played drums. Mm -hmm. And Norman is the one who like taught me, but when I was a very early age, uh, I played with my brother Lawrence, who's a saxophone player, and uh, I was like four. I guess about four, four and a half, whatever. And like I started then, man. And then, you know, getting it from, uh, from I would kind of think from like my family because they played music all the time, you know, sisters who, who sang and, and everything. I first went to a Mary Jane College School mm. where I, I met my music teacher, Miss Skoda. Mm. And like I, I played there at the age of like four and a half before I even started, you know, going to school because I started, I think, when I was five. Yeah. But anyway, I used to play with the school little orchestra and the other kids down there, and uh, and she she helped me out a whole lot. But I also was playing, you know, outside. My people taking me to watch different people to, to learn, you know, the music for real. And when I met Art Blakey, he, uh, he... You know, you wonder a lot of time, uh, Art Blakey, you know, man, I met Art Blakey. Well, as a kid, and your your family be around a lot of musicians, 
the older guys knew you before you knew them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause you yeah. never had a kid. <laughs> but at that time, man, I met him and uh, uh, he asked my parents, because he was at the Crawford Grill, could he uh, uh, take me on like the road and have me, you know, with tutors and all the, Sugar Child Robinson had the same thing. He was in New York City. Mm -hmm. But thank God my parents said, no, we don't want him to do that. <laughs> we want him to stay here so we can raise him, you know. And like uh, after that, I just kept on playing. And then I met, had a chance to meet Max Roach and met some of the, the, the greatest drummers, you know, yeah. ever lived, man. And you know, that picture that you mentioned <clears throat> is a picture of you where the drums are much bigger than you. <laughs> you and you're sitting on those, so you must have been around four or something like that. When yes. you on those drums. Yes, no question. And I have a picture of it in, you know, of me with the, with the drum set and my brother out there playing in front of me with the saxophone. And it was a Christmas show that he did. Okay. And I had a Santa Claus outfit on. But you're right, the, when I started playing, there was a picture of me where the drum set looked like a, I was a little midget trying to play the drum set. Yeah. But I, I've been fortunate, and one of the things I always wanted to do uh, Tim uh, learned from Art Blakey and Max Roach uh, when they played at the Crawford Grill. They come down, talk to me, and everything. And their thing was for me to that I remember. It, it was like always pass it on. You got mm -hmm. something, something pass it on. Because mm -hmm. some people would say like, uh, "You don't want to show this kid this because he's gonna steal that from you." You know, that's a negative yeah, thought. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. nobody gonna play the same way you that's play. Right, that's so right. when you have teachers like Max. And Art Blakey teaching mm -hmm. you the right things, man. It, it's it's great, you know. And I'm yeah. glad I had the opportunity to be able to teach, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, that that's really important, you know. And I was thinking about uh, going back to that picture. I was thinking about how they made the bass drums back then. They were so big, they almost looked like bass drums that you play in a marching band. You know? Exactly. <laughs> so twenty-six inch. <laughs> that made you look even smaller. <laughs> but you played those drums like a grown man. <laughs> and that's, that was the thing that, you know, they knew that you had that X factor. And I, the X factor is something that I, when I talk to a lot of the kids we teach, I tell them, you know, X factor is something you can't teach. Either you have it or you don't. It's just, it just comes so with the package. So true. And, and everything that I've, I've learned coming up was listening yeah. by listening, you know, and... And once you listen to things, it stays in your mind. It's yeah. not like on a page or somebody write this down for you. You get this right inside and you got it, you know. Yeah. But I was always uh, telling the kids all the time, you got to learn how to read because learning how to read is like interpreting when you yeah. read a, a book that they give you in English class about, you know, Tom and Jerry, Dick and Jane. Mm -hmm. If you don't know how to spell D-I-C-K, right. you, you don't right. know how to interpret right. <laughs> playing the music that they That's did. Right. So, but uh, I always told that to the kids, but when I was coming up, I didn't have a, the background of, of reading, okay? Because yeah. my, my first time, Joe Harris sent me over to uh, downtown, and the guy told my parents at that particular time, he said, like, uh, he's six years old. We don't want him to start reading now, mm -hmm. you know, we want him to keep on going mm -hmm. with what he's doing. Mm -hmm. And you know how life goes, you keep moving before you realize it. Yeah. I'm on the road. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm on the road playing with like P. Henderson, all the guys that brought me up. Then, I, and then when I graduated from uh, high school, I went straight on the road with Stanley Turrington and Shirley Scott. And that's something. 
Yeah, I was fortunate though, man. And, and, the, and you, you learn so much by all the other musicians that are out there. You know, that's another school. Yeah. But Tell it's us wonderful. more. Tell us more about what it was like now when you were young, traveling with these 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 journeymen. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, these guys were legends uh, in the music, and they were also very much originators. They were making original music that we would see as classics now. You know, mm -hmm. uh, what was it like traveling with them and and playing with them? Well, you learn a lot. Uh, one of the things I was taught to do. If you want to learn a lot, you got to keep your mouth closed. You got to have respect for the older people, yeah. you know, because they are your teachers. Right. And like, uh, it was amazing, man. Like being out there with, uh, you know, with Woody Shaw played so much trumpet with Horse Silver and uh, Joe Henderson. Mm. I mean, it, it was incredible. And we both were young, yeah? but you learn so much from from the older musician. And uh, if you pay attention. You know, you get your dynamics straight mm -hmm. about mm -hmm. like Woody's taking a solo, you play behind him, but mm -hmm. don't don't overcover him. You know, <laughs> and it's it's another school. Don't and step have, on his feet. <laughs> yeah, it's another school. You have nice people around you trying to uh, help you out at the same time. And I was so happy to get the uh, the opportunity to work with Horace Silver, and I just checked out a thing. We were in France. Uh, there was a recording that they did. You know. Yeah. With Carmel Jones, uh, Joe Henderson, yeah, yeah, on YouTube. Uh, but the uh, being on the road and and that is a heck of an experience for me, man. That the uh, Horace Silver recording song for my father, uh, you were on that one. Yes, and uh, I tell you, that song is probably played millions of times all throughout the years. You know, and you know it's so funny, man, because like I. I keep hearing it all the time, but I didn't pick it. I mean, you know yeah, how life yeah. is. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. <laughs> it's put you in that situation, man, where I was fortunate enough to be with him, you know. And like uh, the first time, right after we did it, we were at Birdland, and uh, what's his name? Stan Getz was there. That his yeah. band was there. Yeah. The girl from Ipanema. Yeah. And yeah. I remember those days, man. It was, yeah. it's incredible, you know. Uh, that's that's amazing, you know. When I think about how you say you know, you didn't pick that song, but you know it's something because the song may not have been the one that you picked, but because of the people who played it, you all introduced that song really to the world. Yes, to the world, and and yes. that's why people are still playing it to this day. I mean, You're right. you can hardly go and hear a jazz set where somebody doesn't play a song for my father in some in some form or fashion. Yes. You know? Yes, well horse sober, man, you think about all the stuff that he did. Jody Grind, Filthy McNasty yeah, and yeah. Sister Sadie. Yeah. And so many things he did before, you know. He, he did uh, you know, a song for my father. But I was fortunate enough to to be on that that yeah. recording, mm -hmm. you know. That's amazing. That's amazing. Tell me some of the countries that you that you went to, Roger. Well, <clears throat> I, I I know I've been to Germany, I've been to France, been to England, I've been to Spain, and it was another one. I wish I had wrote them all down for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was only a couple more you dig that uh, yeah. that I remember. That we had a good time. You know, one thing I I love about the music, you don't have to speak to people uh, English. You know? mm -hmm. um, 
you don't have to speak that language, put it that way. But when you come to play people from another country, they would just play a, like a melody for you and just say, you know that tune? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you you don't have to say yes or no, yeah. you just complete, just play. repeat the melody, you dig it, that they <laughs> did, man. And uh, like I said, man, at the, uh, at the time of life that I'm in now, at my age, man, I've been fortunate. I mean, I've been fortunate to be so many places that I've, I have gone and to meet so many beautiful people out here, man. Yeah. And the music does it, you know? Yeah. Music yeah. does it. I, I, I thank God for that all the time. Well, I was thinking about black history, you know, and, and how, how the power of, uh, of the black talent uh, in America that really crossed over to many other countries. You know, when you went to these other countries, you heard them, I guess, trying to play our music, right? Yeah, well, a lot of people uh, played our music. It may not be spoken the same exact way we right, speak it, right. but they still play, you know, form of jazz where you you know what they're playing, you know their language, and you uh, get a chance uh, to sit back and listen and, and enjoy every bit of it. And then a lot of times you may be asked to play mm -hmm. and that helps out, you know, mm -hmm. put the icing on the cake because yeah. this is what you, you speak this this language all the time, you know, the jazz the jazz language. What was it like when when the you know, what they call jazz, you know, because I know many of the artists back in those days didn't want to put a label on the music. They they didn't want to call it jazz. Uh, but then later on, you know, as as jazz as it was, was continuing to, to, to be played, then bebop came up. What was it like doing that? Was it like a transition? Was it like it was with, say, R&B and hip-hop? You know, how, you know, hip-hop was coming. R&B was already there, but hip-hop was coming. But then you had jazz, and then you had the bebop with uh, uh, Dizzy Gillespie and, and uh, you know, Charlie Parker and him coming up. With that, what was what was that like? Was there like a tug of war? Well, I I can't tell you exactly what that was like for me to be around it because of my age. I'm not, you know, when they went to the transition and thing. Yeah. But we always made it uh, another take thing to another mm -hmm. an, another level. Right. You dig it? Right. And they're called rock and roll, but we may be like where the the young kids have what you call the the rapping. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, th like the foundation came from like New Orleans, you know, right. and right. and you had so many people creating all the time. You know, jazz musicians are uh, phenomenal. I mean, because how they create things, you know, out of the out of the box. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And like I said, I'm I'm not old enough to <laughs> to to go back and think about you know the trans transition of mm -hmm. everything, because like. When I come up at the same time, where uh, 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 the 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 group from Pittsburgh, uh, Bingo Monday, and all of them, uh, Marcel, mm -hmm, yeah, mm -hmm, yeah, and yeah. so therefore, you know, there was something right before that, you know, yeah, like yeah, I'm just saying, like yeah. style. Then they came up with something uh, or on their their language or on their style of music. Yeah. So music keep growing, yeah. it keep growing, man. I mean, I hear some of the young kids play now, man. The chops that they have are unphenomenal, you know. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes I hear them play, they play sometimes a little too long. 
Because mm-hmm. I can't understand what they're doing now. You think they've been so creative, you think? <laughs> but we're, we're fortunate in the arts field where you can change the different things. Mm-hmm. Like art, when you're drawing and designing yeah. things, you yeah. do the same thing. They're very creative with their yeah. music, man. Mm-hmm. That's what I love about it right now. We're going to talk a little bit about your impact on some of these young people in a minute, but I want to talk just a little bit about you know, your, the, the, what, what was it like as you were going through some of these years, like the 60s and the 50s, when they, you know, when they were, you know, when it was racism, you know, it was bad. And when you, you go and you play, pack out, these, pack out these, these theater houses, but then you couldn't eat at a certain restaurant and all that other stuff. Was it, did you experience some of those things, Roger? Yes, I did. I experienced that uh, in West Virginia. And I went down uh, to a club with a friend of mine. And when we went into the club, because he asked me to play, I was going mm-hmm. down to play. And like uh, what I love, love about life, same thing I brought up, but make a long story short, is when we got there, it was, much, it was nothing but all white people, okay? Mm-hmm. And you run across a couple guys, man, you know, they're looking at you funny, because that's just how they are. Mm-hmm. And by the time I finished getting ready to set up my last piece, the club owner came out there and took the microphone and said, hey, let me tell you all something. If I catch anybody saying anything to this brother here, you're gonna belong to me. Mm. He was a club owner, you know? I didn't want to repeat the words that he yeah, said, yeah. but he said, you're gonna belong to me. <laughs> and uh, he put the microphone up, and we had, we had a good time, you dig it? Mm-hmm. But, and then when I joined Ray Charles, another incident come up, man, because things, we were in Mississippi, I think, and like, uh, we're playing at a at the concert hall, but we had to stay at other black people's houses because right. you couldn't right. stay at hotels differently, you know. Yeah. And I experienced that, you know. But what I love about it, I'm about me playing music. Most of everybody that we run across and meet, man, is nice people. Yeah, yeah. And the music does it. Otherwise, they wouldn't come out to your music. That's right. <laughs> so the, the music, music does something <laughs> to you. The music bring the people out to come and hear yeah. you play, and and uh, and respond to be friends with you, you know. And that's why I say it so many times, man, I couldn't write my script how he'd been to me to meet all these wonderful people. Yeah, you're going to meet a few retard, you know, yeah, but that's yeah, part of like that. Yeah. But most of the time, uh, meet a bunch of nice people and uh, your reward is the music. Yeah. Even though you got to make some money to pay the rent, you know, but right. your reward is the music after at the end of the day, especially when you're doing it professionally like I was doing that with Ray Charles and Horn Silver, mm-hmm. you know. Well, you know, you spent many years at Kappa, the School for Performing Arts here in Pittsburgh, teaching so many young people. And uh, I know when I was uh, when I was in school, um, uh, I was they they designated us as, as percussionists, so that anything that you strike, you know, was a percussion instrument. Mm-hmm. So I had to I had to learn how to play piano. I had to play the bass. I had to play, you know, drums. I had to play the big tip, you know, those tim- timpanies. timpanies. Yeah, yeah. All those things. I had to play the triangle. <laughs> I had to do the cymbals. I had to play. Yes. I had to play all that stuff. And and I and, and so when when I never forget when my son was said he was going to go to the school for performing arts. I said, well, you're going to run into uh, Roger Humphreys, and Roger Humphreys is going to, he's going to show you how to be a percussionist. <laughs> <laughs> and Tim came home. He said, "I was gonna be a drummer." <laughs> but tell us what that was like, because you, you know, Roger, you t- 
to this day, I got kids that have come through our program and different things, but they talk about you. They talk about, you know, the freedom that you gave them to be the kind of musician that they needed to be. They talked about you teaching them the fundamentals, teaching them the history, you know, so you gave them history too. And um, these kids are playing all over the world now, you know, and they came, your fingerprints are all over them. Tell us more about that. Well, I guess because of the fact that uh, I didn't start taking drum lessons when I was young, I found out a way, like, because I play, you know, just out of my heart, what have you, uh, to relate to the kids who I had, you know. And, like, we started, like I did from the beginning, getting your chops together, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. and you keep on learning more and more and more, you know, until, like, uh, I give them the desire you know, to want to play, like sit down, play the drum. If they ain't doing this right, I try to show them how. Mm -hmm. I've never been critical about anything mm -hmm. with my kids. And I say, if you can't do it today, go home and practice. And that's basically a lot of things, like your rudiments, you know. Mm -hmm. You sit down, well, your rudiments don't get fast unless you practice them, you know. Yeah. And we sit down all together as a team, mm -hmm. you dig it, mm -hmm. and have some laughter while we all playing, you know. And like, uh, I, I, part of my relationship, because at that time, man, uh, it's a funny thing. Listen to this girl. I was over there at uh, Rogers. They asked me to teach at Rogers before I started teaching over Kappa. Mm -hmm. And I teach at Rogers, like doing it, and when I first got the gig over at Rogers School, I teach there, then I go over to Kappa. But there was one kid that I was showing him about the Tempanies, and the kid, I played Tempany all through high school, but this kid knew, kind of like knew more about the Tempany than what I did, uh, uh, <laughs> because he'd been taking some professional, you know, lessons. And, and, and that was funny, man, because I thought about it. Here, I'm giving a kid lesson, and I'm learning something from a kid. Mm -hmm. You never can stop learning that. Yeah. So what my thing was, it made me go practice more on the Tempany, mm -hmm. so I could play the Tempany better. And then what I did, I tried to pass it on to the other kids. Mm -hmm. But when we were at Kappa, Kappa was, we didn't have a, a real main orchestra, you know, like that, right. you know, that right. felt. And like, uh, we did have one, but uh, more like a, it was more like a band to me, I don't mm -hmm. know, you know. But uh, the kids over there, man, like James and Javon, and I mean, all these yeah. kids, man, yeah. and uh, yeah. oh man, Tom, Tom went, these kids had a, a thing within them and that I'm just glad that I passed on what I did, you know. They didn't know what I do, you know what I mean? That's why they can't get lessons. But it was just an incentive, man, mm -hmm. you know, to see, these, to see these kids out here playing now, yeah. professionally, yeah. and they can replay. I was one kid that gave me uh, some credit over the, over the television. It was Joey Saylor, because the night that they opened up the show, he said he wanted to give me uh, uh, what you call an appraisal because of the fact that I, I was his teacher on TV and that particular night I had to go to work because okay. <laughs> they, they had told me <laughs> I had to go to work you know so I didn't get a chance to hear it you know but it just goes to show you man there's some beautiful we have some beautiful students yeah, out there. Yeah. beautiful kids man and they get along together the most important thing it like they ask you can you play yeah. just like you see the kids in school yeah. they ain't no different when they come up man it just ask you, can you play and if you can play, come on and join us. That's it. That's it. Well, you know, you, uh, I would love to see a reunion of all the kids 
that learned under you. I would love to see them come back to Pittsburgh or wherever they are and be able to just come back and have a reunion because there's so many of them, Roger. You probably can't count them all. There's so many of them that, you know, because they was watching you real close. I know my son was watching you real close. I know he was because I saw, I know Julian, Julian Powell, he was watching you real close because both Tim and Julian, they used to have drum offs where they comp they compete against each other. You know? <laughs> I, I believe you. There's two partners there. <laughs> but I can listen to them play, and I said, "Well, I see y'all both using some Roger Humphrey stuff on each other." <laughs> but it was rewarding to see that. Yes. You know, it yes. said something about how you were teaching them, and 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 what and the way they were taking it in like a sponge. Because yes. really, when they first start playing. They were playing more just like you. They didn't find their voice until a little bit later on, but they were playing like you. And then you were like the launch pad, the springboard for them to find themselves and find their own. Now both of them are just amazing. Tell me about it. Amazing <laughs> talents, you know. But, yes, they uh, are, just, but thank you. Yeah. Um, so let's get into just a little bit. You know, one of the things that you did also was you began to open up opportunities for jazz musicians to be able to come into a common place and and find a place to really come and just really reach and just jam you know mm -hmm. and you know I've, I've been in some of those sessions and and I've seen I've seen you pull people you know out of the audience and I've seen you have a house band there and everything but it was a place for us to go uh, that was not I said we said you know it was like church it was like going to a different kind of church, you yes, know what I mean? Yes. So we could listen to some music that you couldn't hear in church, you know, and you could you could see young people get an opportunity, see the young and the old together, you know, playing this music. And like you said, it wasn't a matter of talking; it was a matter of communicating through the instruments. And if you if you had if you can talk, you, you could you could be in it. Exactly right. And I I remember a place called the Liberty Lounge on the North Side, mm. where they had a they had a night where it's called a jam session, mm -hmm. you know, and everybody be invited if you can play. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, it used to be that's another school. Yeah. yeah. That's another school, yeah. you know. And I'm I'm glad that uh, maybe we're getting back to it now where some place is going to be open, you know. So we have yeah. jam session yeah. on a particular yeah. night. Yeah. That brings everybody together, the audience, not only the audience, but the musicians too, yeah. they come and, and play. So. Uh, Playing with like a little James, him and I did a thing together. You dig it? James Johnson, James Johnson III. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and it makes me feel good, like you said, to see so many kids who uh, who came through Kappa. And thank goodness we do have Kappa. Yeah. We have your school that you had, and uh, we have Dr. James Johnson. Dr. James because Johnson. what it does also, musicians have their mind different. A lot of times than other people where they love being by themselves with others playing the instrument mm -hmm. and the more you have places like this the more we can get our kids to go place right. you know so like he's not a weirdo or yeah. whatever the deal is he can find something to occupy his time because yeah. we need that right now to keep kids from uh, being out there uh, not being occupied in their time with the instrument to maybe get in trouble yeah. you know what I mean yeah. and like uh, this is the most important thing that I, I think that I, I've been put down here for, besides my family, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. 
to reach out, like the other guy said, man, see if you can help this kid. See if you can help this kid. A lot of kids don't have anything, you know? Mm -hmm. And it makes me feel good. So now, whatever the deal is, man, we're going to open up another joint for the jam session. That's it, man. We got to do it. We got to do it. We got to do it. I can't wait. Yes, I'm looking are. forward to it because I think what you did, Roger, was you created a clearinghouse for musicians because, because it was, and it was almost like a breeding ground where, you know, young musicians could, could sit and listen to people who were really good. And if they, if they felt like they could get up there, yes. then they could. But if they, you know, if yes. they couldn't play, it wasn't safe to get up there. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, you're right. It wasn't safe to get in that arena because you know these these folks these folks were swinging. Yes, and uh, you never know where somebody what turn somebody was going to take. You know. Yes, and you want to be able to add something to yeah. the music. You know, yeah. not take yeah. away anything. Yeah. But Pittsburgh is a heck of a place, man. Yeah. All my life, yeah. like I said, they have like the Crawford Grill, the Hurricane. All these places, man, where you could go and like uh, and set in and play. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you know what you've done uh, has added to the black history of this city. Not just black people, but all kinds of people. Mm -hmm. All kinds of people. But you being an African American, you know, uh, makes me proud because what you brought to our community excellence is excellence you know and I think more and more of our young people need to know what it means to be an, an expression of excellence you know in front of other people and you know it's like God puts you in the right place at the right time mm -hmm. to do the right thing the right way in front of the right people and uh, I heard that from Duke Ellington. <laughs> I heard Duke Ellington say that. And I say it all the time. I tell people, they, I, I didn't, that's not my saying. I heard Duke Ellington say that. And, uh, and, and I tell you, you know, we're just thankful. Thankful for the opportunity to be in your home, you know, in this place where you have taught so many people and, and raised your family. And speaking of your family, you know, talk a little bit about your family. <laughs> well... Uh, my family, where I come from, I'm the youngest out of ten. It was ten children, and I'm the youngest kid. With four, four boys, and six. I mean, four girls and six boys. Mm -hmm. Okay, and like, uh, man, I'm telling you, when I came up, that's all I heard from the time I got up out of bed, especially on Saturday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like, uh, they were, they always back, back me, man. I, I was blessed. Have my, you know. My brothers and sisters, and uh, and my mother, you know, thinking about this experience of me playing drum. My mother used to take me to uh, the church, you know, and when I was a little boy, about this high, and she had a shopping bag with my sticks and snare drum in mm -hmm. it, and I go play with like the the church people at the choir, you dig it? Yeah. And I mean, that's yeah. how far back. Yeah. And I had to tell you, man, I have a, a wonderful family. Yeah. God blessed me with the family that I've. You know, right now, my oldest sister is still with us, and she's 97, and my brother Jim is with us, and my brother Pete is 95, and uh, it's just the three of us right now, you know, left out of 10. Mm -hmm. But we, uh, we're blessed because we talk to one another all the time, you know. Yeah. And, like, uh, coming up, you know, from uh, 
all the people in the neighborhood, you know. Uh, some of them played music, you know, and like, uh, I, I think about it now, you know, funny about life, I couldn't write the script if I wanted to. Yeah, yeah. Neither you yeah. and nobody else. Yeah. It's yeah. got to be given yeah. to you That's and just right. keep on trying to do the right thing. That's right. That's <laughs> and, right. and like my son, Roger Jr., okay, he played... He played uh, drums. Roger Jr. played mm -hmm. drums. Yeah. And you see the little small set over there. Yeah. Is the uh, set that uh, uh, his son Trey. Oh man. Because his name is Roger too, but we <laughs> call him Trey. And he started off playing that, but you know how people drift off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and like my my oldest daughter Michelle, uh, she's into the designing of hair. Okay. And that's what she does, Michelle. That's the oldest daughter. Roger Jr. was next. And then the other daughter, uh, Denise, uh, she lives in uh, in Florida right now, and uh, she's beautiful. All my kids are beautiful people. And Monica, the youngest one, she lives in uh, North Carolina. So all the kids and all the grandkids, we got some in college right now. Like I said, we I couldn't be more blessed, you know, to see everybody well, okay, you know. Well, your daughter. Got me started when I started growing my dreadlocks. Okay. She started my dreadlocks. <laughs> and, okay. and, and me and Roger, we played together. Uh, yeah. Me and yeah. your son, Roger yeah. Jr., we yeah. played in Southern Comfort Band yeah. together. Yeah. So I was playing the keyboard. Yes, and I he was on the drums, man. We, I, we got pictures of that. We got pictures of that. I got to show them to you sometime. Wait a minute, Tim. Before I forget so I don't get messed up. Did I mention my daughter, Monica, my youngest daughter? No, I don't think so. Well, thank you, man. I mean, because otherwise I'd really get in trouble. Yeah. But I'm yeah. talking so fast about it. Yeah, Monica's the youngest. And dig it. Monica, man, always loved to sing, like mm -hmm. my sister now. Mm -hmm. And she could sing, you know. Yeah. But it wasn't her complete <laughs> passion, you know, about taking up, you know, singing and everything. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. she could. But uh, yeah, we, we've been fortunate. We've been fortunate. Yeah. All the kids, you know, had something that they wanted to do. Yeah. And it been all down there. The line man and the music business part of them, some of yeah. them. Well, I tell you what, this has been such a uh, <clears throat> an honor for me to be able to sit here in your home and have this time to, to talk with you and for you to share with the folks out there. Um, there are a lot of young people that's going to be able to connect with this and other people as well, but it's just such an honor and it just makes me think about, you know when I was coming up as a younger teen and the people that were in my life, like when, when Nelson Harrison first came to Westinghouse High School and played with his band. Uh -huh. I looked up there and I said, that's what I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna do that, you know. Yes. Every the different ones yes. impact your life, you know. Yes. And I didn't meet you until later on. Yes, you're right. But uh, you know, guys like Nelson Harrison, Nathan Davis, Doctor Doctor J, Doctor Johnson, yes. Doctor James Johnson was my first music teacher when I went to Pitt. Okay. And when I went to Pitt, his was the first class that I had. And wow. he gave me a book. He gave me a book that Nathan Davis had written. And I opened that book and my father's picture was in there. <laughs> so it was something how this Pittsburgh connection, yes. this six degrees of separation, you know. <laughs> but we but we all we're all connected, you know, and uh, uh and this story, uh we we, we want to push this story out. To as, far, as far as we can out there on the internet and different places so that people can see you and hear from you and hopefully they'll find you. They'll find you playing, you know, on, online and different things like that. Because I know you're still doing the Carnelma thing, right? 
We'll edit. We'll edit it. Um, you still doing Con Alma, right? Um, oh man, yes. Yeah. I'm doing that. I forgot. You know, um, we did a thing down there at uh, the Magic. What do you call it? Uh, Liberty Magic. Yeah, the the magic place on Liberty Avenue, Liberty Magic. Okay. There you go. Yeah, and but he's doing a he's doing a good job. Uh, John is doing a very good job with uh, both places. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And uh, working with musicians, and it, it's very good. Yeah, That's John excellent. Shannon. Excellent. Did you have any questions you wanted? Uh, out of all the places you played in the world, what are your favorite? None. None? No, I don't have any favorites. No, honest God, I love them all, man. <laughs> I love them all, you know. I mean, even though I could say like, uh, but no, I love them all. Why do you think so many great musicians came from Pittsburgh at that particular time in the mid-century? I was, well, why did they come from? That's, I couldn't even answer that, man. Some people say it was in the water. Some people say it was, <laughs> you know, really, I mean. Yeah. Billy Strayhorn and all these people come from here, and uh, we're just fortunate. We're just fortunate yeah. that that you know this occurred, and we could be around it all the time. But I don't know yeah. why. Where can people see you play now in Pittsburgh? Well, what I need for them to do now is to check out my Facebook, because you know the Facebook has it all, and go to my website RogerHumphreysBand.com. Do that. Because so many things, people keep calling me all the, for a different gig now, I can't remember. So that's why we got to put them on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's yes. great. But I thank you guys for having a good time today, man. Well, you know, I always end, I always end these sessions by saying something that was, that was put out by James Brown. It's a call and response. And I say, I'll say one part and you got to respond. So I'm going to see if you know what to say. Say it loud. I'm black and I'm proud. Oh, come on, man. That's what it's all about. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Roger. Always, man. We good. Yeah. <laughs>